0: Well, good morning, church. My name is Austin Shank. As Karen said earlier, I have the pleasure of serving here on the ministry team. Um, Although this is my first time to serve in this capacity, I'll let you in on a little bit of a secret. I'm not very long-winded. So if you were thinking of headed to Cracker Barrel after all this, I've got you. I've got you. You'll be there early. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited about what God has for us this morning. before I dive in, though, I want to pray and take, take a moment to just go before the Lord. God, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, um, to praise your name, to worship you, the awesome creator of the universe. God, I pray that you would just guide our um, conversation this morning, this sermon. I pray that through my blunders, God, that your name will be glorified and that your grace would cover them over. I pray all these things in your name. Amen. So the topic that we're going to talk about this morning is one that I think as Christians we kind of tend to um, we kind of tend to basically try to ignore it. Maybe we make excuses of why it doesn't apply to us. But our title is how to mirror Jesus in a confused world. And to put that more simply, it's just how to evangelize. So Jesus is going to. We'll see in our later in our main passage in the Great Commission, Jesus calls us. Um, To go and make disciples. So we're going to look at why he calls us first and how he equips us. Then finally, how we can put into practice going and making disciples in today's day and age. So the first point is, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're called to spread his message. Can we all agree on that? There's no way around that point. So one person's way of evangelism may look a little different than someone else's. But at the end of the day, if we're not spreading the message of Christ to the lost in this world, then we aren't truly following the Great Commission. I have a story I want to share. I think it kind of sheds a little light on maybe why evangelism is hard and also maybe a little humor on it. So there's a weary evangelist. He goes to another door, fully expecting the door to be slammed in his face. Sure enough, the older woman who answered angrily demanded that he leave Once she figured out why he was there, and she slammed the door. But ma'am, the evangelist began, when the woman again slammed the door in his face. Once again, it bounced back open. She said, I said, get your foot out of my door. One more time, she slammed the door. And one more time, it bounced back open again. But ma'am, the evangelist again said, only to be cut off once again. Don't talk back to me. The woman screamed in rage, I want you off my property. She slammed the door the fourth time, only to see it bounce back open again. Ma'am, the evangelist yelled as he beat a hasty retreat down the sidewalk, you'll be able to close the door if you move your cat out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we can laugh at this story, but instinctively we know that evangelism is messy. It's hard. And I hope that this message will help clear up some of those misconceptions and inspire us to pursue God through his mission of evangelism. So we talked about Jesus wants us as his disciples to spread his message throughout the world. He wants us to mirror his image in all areas of our lives, and he wants us actively pursuing him and allowing his life and love to reflect through the mirror of our lives. Now I want you to think right now about your community. And when I say your community, I don't necessarily mean the state of Georgia or necessarily Lawrence County or whatever county you live in. I'm talking about your sphere of influence. Those people that you interact with throughout the week, throughout your day, um, that's your community. That's your sphere of influence. It doesn't matter where you live or the county you're in, you have someone near you that needs to hear the message of hope and salvation of Jesus Christ. Church this will be a wonderful time for an amen. I said you have someone near you that is lost and needs to hear the message of hope and salvation of Jesus Christ. Amen. By God's sovereign design we his people can influence change in our community and in our family. All By the way we married Jesus and how we spread his gospel message. That's why we're here on this earth. We're not here to pursue hobbies, career, fame. All those things, don't misunderstand me, all those things are good things. Those are good things that God has gifted gifted us with. But at the end of the day, God is calling us on the greatest career, the greatest mission, the greatest adventure. And that's spreading his message of salvation to the ends of the earth. Now, you may think, Austin, you're kind of being a little cliche. You're being a little, bit, a little bit cheesy here. But I want you to think of something. I want you to think of the great men of faith like Paul. Do you think that Paul thought his life was boring? <clears throat> he recounts in 2 Corinthians some of the negative things that came in his life, Because of his following the mission of Christ. He recounts being shipwrecked and on the open sea for a day and a night. He was beaten three times, stoned once. So now, if I'm completely honest, and I don't know about y'all, but I've heard those stories before. And to be completely honest, I muttered under my breath, God, please don't let me be the person that gets called to that kind of mission. And that's human nature. It's human nature to kind of want to avoid pain like that. But what we don't focus on is all the benefits that we are reaping today because of Paul's work and the legacy and the impact that he left. And Paul, for his part, is still reaping the rewards of his service, and will reap them for eternity So if you hear only one thing today, please hear this. This is our bottom line for today. When a Christian follows the great commission of evangelism, the negative things we experience are temporary, but the rewards are eternal. Now, before I get ahead of myself, we're going to go ahead and get in our main passage. It's going to be in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And while you're turning there, I'm going to give you a little bit of the setting This is just after resurrection, and Jesus is meeting with his disciples. And now now they're obviously wondering, what's going on? They're like, Jesus, we thought you were going to come. You were going to turn over this Roman Empire. You were going to defeat them. We were going to serve beside you. Everything was going to be great. Fairytale ending. And instead, he was crucified. And now they find out he's been raised from the dead. They don't know what to think. So Jesus is coming to them, and in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he gives them a command. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say, you need to go get a degree. You need to make sure that your um, doctrine is straight before you go out and spread the gospel. He doesn't say that here. He doesn't say, hey, you need to make sure that your education is to the top degree before you go spread the gospel. In fact, if you'll remember, these were mostly unschooled men that God called. He also doesn't make a point to say, hey, you've got to make sure everything in your life's cleaned up before you go spread the gospel. If you'll remember, it wasn't that long ago that Peter denied Christ three times. He doesn't call Peter out in this passage. He said, go and make disciples. And he also says he's with us to the very end of the age. What a promise to us that are going to go out and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to be with us. He's going to walk beside us. We don't have to do it alone. I think, too, another good thing to notice here in this passage is the command he gives. He says, go and make disciples. This is a good point for us to pause and realize one important thing. We can't spread the gospel from a position of inactivity. This is really, really important. It takes something of us to spread the gospel. It takes time and sacrifice. There's a lot of things in life that if we want a good thing, we have to pursue it and sacrifice. I don't know about y'all, but I really, really, really like a check on Friday. Anybody else like a check on Friday? It makes the weekend a lot better. I tell you, and it really, if I'm careful on the weekend and don't spend too much, then it makes my week pretty good too when I can pay my bills. <laughs> but I have to do something to get that check on Friday. I have to show up Monday through Friday to get that check. Evangelism's no different. We have to sacrifice from ourselves in order to do what God wants us to do. God wants us in a position of service And activity for him. So why would God, the creator of the universe, want to use broken people to spread his message of hope and salvation? Why would he want to use us? Why would he want to use you and me? I think it boils down to a simple idea, but one we've got to have some faith to accept. God, in his sovereign wisdom, chose to carry the gospel message of salvation through his people. And that's that's a mystery, but that's what God chose to do. It was a blessing that he has given us, a blessing and a miracle that we get to be a part of. And I say miracle, you go, why, why is it a miracle? Well, think about this. Can any one of you make someone choose to believe in Jesus? No, we can't. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit that someone can come to a place of realizing their need for Christ. It's only through the work of the Holy Spirit Romans ten thirteen through 15 says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Romans 10, 13 through 15. I think R.C. Sproul had a really, really good quote that helps kind of put this into context. It says, he says, God not only foreordains the end of salvation for the elect, he also foreordains the means to that end. Church, we get to be the means to that end. We get to be a part of the miracle of the work of the Holy Spirit Through changing people's lives and you may say well I'm not a preacher and for the most part probably most of us in here are not but if you're saved you have the Holy Spirit in your life right you have the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit you're able to be a vessel for God's work so the question today is what's stopping you from interacting with that sphere of influence that community to spread the message and hope of Jesus Church, we get to be on mission for almighty God. We get to be on mission for God. So why do we avoid that? I mean, we're talking about the creator of the universe. We get to be on mission for him. Why would we ever want to avoid that? I think at the end of the day, it's because we focus on the negatives, on the pain and suffering instead of the blessings. We get to make choices By the way we follow out the command of Jesus in spreading the gospel that impact our blessings in eternity. We also get to help other people make choices that will impact their eternity. Did you hear me? I said we get to help other people make choices that will impact their eternity. Now, how are we as broken people to sp- supposed to spread the gospel of Jesus? I know a lot of us really don't know how to spread the gospel. We've never had a lot of experience with it. And we really want to avoid that cat-in-the-door experience, if we're honest. We, we kind of want to avoid that. We don't want to get in an awkward situation. And that, that, that's fine. That's human nature to shy away from awkward situations. But what we really need to do is get to a place where we start realizing it's not about us. And it's not about how we feel or what necessarily makes us happy. It's about humbling ourselves and getting to that place of willingness to offer ourselves in service to God. That's when he can use us. So a couple of key takeaways I think that um, will help us in realizing how to evangelize to a lost world. Um, The first one is start with humility. We have to understand, like we talked about earlier, that we can't do this on our own. We're powerless to change somebody's mind without the work of the Holy Spirit. And then two, we need to truly understand our identity in Christ. If we're not grounded in our faith... We're not going to be effective messengers of the, faith, of the hope of salvation. God has chosen us to be a part of the Great Commission, but he allows us the choice of how we will participate. So we need to understand our identity in Christ and be all in. Then also we need to be a disciple. Jesus called his disciples. They studied his life. We focus on that a lot around here at DBC for good reason. But evangelism is a huge part of discipleship. Jesus sent out his disciples even before this passage in Matthew that we read to spread the good news. Mark 3.14 says he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. If your discipleship journey does not include spreading the good news of Christ Church, I say this in love, but you're getting it wrong. You're getting it wrong. We need to be with Jesus and then be willing to be sent out. So we've studied why we are called to spread the message of Jesus. And briefly, we talked about how we go about it. Now I want to talk about what I call the nitty-gritty, where the rubber meets the road. How do I really make this happen in my everyday life? And if I do, if I do this as Jesus would have me do it, what can I expect? <clears throat> so I'm going to start with a couple questions, and I want us to go through these kind of slowly and just and ponder on them. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to um, just probe your heart and, and show you the answer, an honest answer. Um, the first question is, how many people in your group of friends know Jesus? How many people in your group of friends know Jesus? Now, how many people in your group of friends would you describe as lost? And then finally, even harder questions, how many out of the group of lost friends know you are a Christian? How many would say you are truly different than they are? And would they say that you have something they don't have I know that's a lot of hard questions especially those last 3 but I really want us to as we ponder over this and go through this message to to really allow the Holy Spirit to ask us that question and to probe our hearts. I'll illustrate this in a little different way. Let me pull this over here. Y'all forgive me this mirror is really heavy. So this mirror right here is representing our life after salvation. The blood of Jesus is cleaned it off. It's clean. You know, Jesus is at the center. And if we were to put a Bible in front of this mirror, what would you see reflected out of the mirror? Yeah, pretty simple. You'd see a Bible. How about if we were to kneel in front of this mirror and pray? What would we see reflected out of it? Very, very simple. It's the old adage, what you put in is what you get out. So as we put in spiritual practices, that's what's going to be reflected out of our life. Now let's say we add a few things to this mirror. How about we add career? Hobbies? How about we add betrayal? Deceit? hurt, loss, Hmm, here's a good one, fame, depression, anger, fear, envy. what's happening to our mirror now. All the junk of life is starting to clutter our mirror. Now not all these things are bad things. And all these things to some degree we probably struggle with or have in our life. But they can cloud our mirror making the reflection of Jesus less clear. When we live as Christ taught us, we can find healing for our hurt, confess our sins, keep hobbies and career in the right place. At the end of the day, Jesus should highlight all these things. His work in our life, his redemptive work should highlight those things in our life that we all deal with. And they should show the grace of Jesus. But if we take this mirror and say we cover this mirror, there's not a whole lot reflecting out of that mirror anymore, is there? And as Christians, we can cover this mirror for a lot of different reasons. We can cover this mirror maybe because that fear. We're ashamed. How about we cover our mirror because of depression or anxiety? We can cover it for a lot of different reasons, but at the end of the day, if we cover our mirror, the work of Jesus is not being shown to the world. The other thing that we can do is we can show our life to only certain people. I think as Christians, one of the things that we can do very often, is open up to people in church because they're like-minded. But guess what? These people over here can't see what's reflecting in the mirror. Maybe, if we're being really honest, we open up to the church because the church is too nice to point out that little sin we're hiding. And we know if we were to open up to our friends that are lost, they would probably see it and expose us as a hypocrite. At the end of the day, what we're looking for is for our broken lives to be highlighted by the grace of God and open for the world to see his redemptive work, to see the progression of God's work in our life. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I know, church, that a lot of these scenarios have probably played out in your life at one point in time or another. Um, Evangelism can be hard, but the rewards are eternal. God, the Creator, Of the beautiful world that we live in is the one that gives out those rewards so I know sometimes in my mind I I wrestle with this but at the end of the day when you look at creation and you look at how awesome it is don't you think it's worth taking a chance that God knows good rewards and he's going to reward us appropriately I would hazard a guess that that's the case Jesus is calling us to a better way, a life of intentional pursuit of him and a passionate display of his grace to a broken world. It's a blessing to spread the good news of Jesus and his salvation to the world. and something we should be count as a privilege to be a part of today. So let's go make disciples of a lost and hurting world.